0: welcome to our soul a podcast by kelly fox and terry williams from the ohio religious coalition for reproductive choice
1: welcome back to our soul today we are really excited to have with us a special guest a special guest all the way from indiana Yes, the beautiful state of Indiana, Mm -hmm. Ohio's slightly thinner, slightly more attractive neighbor sometimes. (laughs) It depends on who you are and where you are, uh, what your opinion is of that. I have quite a few uh, IU. Uh, friends and alums uh, who who uh, like to contend with us about that, but we have with us Dr. Sue Ellen Braunlin. Uh Sue Ellen is a fantastic partner of Ohio RCRCs, uh, part of Indiana RCRC and a couple other organizations. Um, and just this fantastic advocate, a maven, if you will, of comprehensive sexuality education, in addition to being a medical doctor and a fantastic pro-choice, faithfully pro-choice advocate. Sue Ellen, would you share just a little bit about who you are and, uh, and where you are right now in the movement?
2: Well, um, sexuality education is probably my favorite thing to do. And I have, uh, we've kind of had a hiatus during the pandemic and we've just had two trainings and I'm so glad to be back doing it. Um, and we also advocate for uh, abortion access and I am really passionate about uh, healthcare reform also. I think that's, that's going to have to be part of where we go, uh, especially with an emphasis on disability rights and transgender rights. So it's, that's kind of the frame that I'm thinking about it right now.
1: Absolutely, and you all—all all, all of these things, uh, you know, as you're naming, it's like a—it's like a who's who or a where's where of Ohio's uh, need to work on this list <laughs> for yeah. for Ooh. our uh, yeah. our health access. You know, we we here in Ohio have really um, you know, struggled for quite a long while around health equity and particularly around health access for. Um, You know, people who have abortions as well as uh, folk in the transgender community to be able to, you know, have um, accurate, adequate, uh, holistic care in this space. And all of it really stems back to that basic health education, basic human sexuality education. Um, You know, Ohio has been uh, a state that really favors this, quote unquote, abstinence only sexuality education that we know is we, we know is not working. We know does not, uh, you know, prepare our children, uh, you know, to be the healthiest adults they can be. And, um, you know, we're, we're in a place where we're starting to find that, that education continues to get us poor results and uh, how we step out of that, I think, is, is the larger question. So um, I'm interested uh, really today, you know, to start off with uh, around why, um, why you do this work, and in particular, you know, what are the transforming things that you see go on when, um, you know, people get age-appropriate sexuality education and and really, you know, how that that changes lives, how that changes people's lives and and the lives of our children.
2: Yeah, even for little kids, this very idea that they own they own their body, they're the boss of their body, uh, gives them a more reliable visceral feedback when something isn't right or safe. And it's uh, we can help them quicker, we can help them process it, and, and we can help preserve that um, feeling of being respected and Worth, worthy, and knowing the difference between, um, attention they don't want and attention that is healthy for them, it, so that they start to know it by our feedback to their requests and their ownership of their own body. Um, mm-hmm. and they. And as soon as they start to know that, they teach their aunts and uncles and grandparents. They, they, they <laughs> teach everyone, and your church better be ready for it if you're going to teach this in your church, because they will speak yeah. up.
0: <laughs> and I think that's that's really, like, honestly, like, beautiful to hear about uh, kids learning about, you know, having bodily autonomy from a young age and being able to to name that, like, Um, it, I, I just think it's so important, uh, I, I was one, or in, in school we talked about agency a lot, and, like, if you don't know that you have agency, then you don't have agency, and so, you know, if a child or any person doesn't understand that they, you know, have bodily autonomy and have, uh, the power to say no over their own body, then they, you know, honestly don't have the ability (laughs) to give that consent, and, um, I think that, you know, everyone, regardless of age, should have that bodily autonomy over things like, you know, you're like you're kind of alluding to, like being able to decide if they want hugs or they don't want hugs or if they want to be near a person or if they don't. Um, And I think that's really just just great and a a firm foundation for building um, good, healthy adults, Mm -hmm. for sure.
2: And for the whole life. Same is true in the nursing home. As much as I mean, sometimes you have to care for people, and but but you can promise them, you will tell them what you're doing, and you're doing it in their self-interest, and there'll be someone else with you. I mean, there are ways this can happen from diapering in infancy to the entire life, and uh, it's it's dignity.
1: Hmm. And I, I find it, you know, not just because I'm a, a local church pastor as well, but I, I find it very interesting uh, the way that you named, you know, local churches as, you know, a part of this. Local faith communities, I think, are places that most people do not think of immediately when we talk about comprehensive sexuality education, yeah. right? But for us, particularly here in Ohio, you know, we have had just this this long and and very, sad history of sexual abuse in church systems. And I I say church systems because it's it's mainly been, uh, you know, Christian church situations, although of course there have been uh, situations arise in every faith tradition. But particularly here in Ohio, uh, we see a lot of the faith traditions that Promote an abstinence only ideology that also simultaneously have created unsafe spaces for children and strategically, systematically created those spaces. Um, you know, the Roman Catholic Diocese uh, here in central Ohio, the Columbus Diocese, has had a, a real reckoning around clergy sex abuse. Um, you know, 2020 was the announcement of the Diocesan Review Panel uh, that came out. Um, several other dioceses in the region, Cleveland and the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, have have had previous reviews, uh, you know, in a more timely fashion. There are some dioceses, like the Diocese of Toledo, that still has yet to complete any said review. Um, so we're in a place where, you know, hundreds of priests across the Ohio region, you know, the the Catholic Conference in Ohio, have... Uh, been confirmed as sexual predators in in different spaces over a, a period of many years, and we have to reckon with that in houses of worship. And, you know, the key around communicating from a house of worship about a house of worship that its people ought to be the arbiters of what happens with their own bodies seems to be like such a baseline, right? It seems to be like this should be the minimum standard and somehow that standard is still impossible for some of these congregations to even engage or discuss. Um, you know, when, when we talk about abortion rights, particularly, the Catholic Church is one of the first organizations in the state of Ohio to come and oppose any kind of, uh, you know, law that would permit Uh, additional guidance from the person who carries a pregnancy in terms of what the destiny of that pregnancy should be. You know the the argument is we want you to be forced to carry that pregnancy no matter what. You know that's that's the agenda and it's fascinating to me that that is really the root of the disagreement around bodily autonomy and it leads to uh, situations where we teach children that they aren't really in control of their own body and they shouldn't expect control of their own body. All that I feel like is, is wrapped up in the same mess that if we could get to that primary place where we say, no, really your body is your body. And when you say no, it means no for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. That, that everybody has to lay off of your body, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we, we would be in a very different place. Um, have, how, how do you see that intersection it between... It is so interesting
2: that, that, you, that we get pushed back to that. Like if, if you tell yeah. an uncle or a grandfather, if she says she doesn't want to be hugged, you have to back off. I mean, we are, we are this is what mm-hmm. we do in our house. And um, some people put that on the refrigerator so that not only the kid knows it, but the family knows it when they come over for a holiday or something. Um, and same in a church, put that right on your website so that mm. and post it so that everybody understands this because that 's what we 're talking about. It, you would not think you would get pushed back to such a thing as the, the right for a kid to not be hugged, but um, you you can see immediately that it triggers something uh, in, in some people and some. Religious systems that, that 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 is exactly it that they don't want they don't want people to think they own their own body that, uh, mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that 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 whole thing my body belongs to me that that would be controversial is a very telling and consistent thing
0: and and that makes me think of like um, not only uh, you know not wanting to for some reason you know teach people to have power over their own selves but also uh i'm just reminded of the like awkwardness that people bring around around these conversations and i think it it at least what i hear and what i think about when when thinking about consent and all of that is that there are some conversations that people don't want to have about, you know, them, maybe them not learning consent and having, you know, whatever happened to them or, you know, uh, not having education and not being able to have that power. And so not wanting to give that to someone else. And uh, just a lot of conversations, you know, I I come from a lot of like trauma informed care perspective. And uh, when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about how you know how what what are the underlying stories and conversations that people are not wanting to have that are making them feel awkward around you know sexuality which is a part of everyone's lives and uh as well as like consent which is something that should be a part of everyone's life um you know what are those deeper conversations that people are avoiding yeah i mean this should not be i often hard. say. Yeah. Yeah, I often say that, like, uh, if everyone just had therapy, if everyone could just be in therapy and be openly discussing, like, uh, you know, why why is it that you feel that way about not, or your, like, grandchild not being able, or not wanting to hug you? Like, why is it that you have such a visceral reaction around something that should be so easy? And I think the world would be, (laughs) at least Ohio, would be a much better place if we had everyone in therapy and actively uh talking about those those uh feelings, those feelings
1: everybody actively working on themselves instead of actively mm-hmm. working on their neighbor yeah. yeah that i mean that that really explains ohio's quandary right and i yeah, and everyone I find... looking
0: at the plank in their own eye before looking at the speck in someone else's Ooh, quote quote story, scripture right? up yeah. in here
1: Quoting <laughs> scripture that's right get that get that matthew 7 up in there right Well, and and I think, too, you know, uh, Sue Ellen, the the phrase that you used, my body belongs to me. I mean, you know, for a lot of us who grew up in in fundamentalist traditions or or more conservative religious traditions, you know, we're taught primarily our body belongs to God. And one of the things that I had to I had to reframe for myself, having grown up in a, a very fundamentalist household, was that, you know, yeah, okay, so maybe my body does belong to God. And God trusts me with my body, right? Because yeah. um, my body might not, uh, in that theology, belong solely to me, but it definitely doesn't belong to anybody else except God and me, right? right. Like, and, and God is not to them. yeah, that's right not not to politicians, not not to Father Frank, not right. to you know <laughs> Sister Jean, not to, not to anybody else, but to me, right? And and I have been gifted uniquely. Uh, with the authority around that, I, I think even of, uh, you know, not to take us too much to church, but, you know, we, we uh, launched some things on a, a, our bonfire store here a few months ago and got some great pushback from a few voices who were really mad about a shirt that we put up that has uh, the Virgin Mary on it. And it says Luke one thirty eight. That's the scripture quotation. And uh, the statement says Mary had a baby by choice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there were some people that re- like that just really rubbed them the wrong way. The idea that oh, you're you're wow. you know casting Mary as a person who had bodily autonomy and agency, and I just laughed because it's like, folks. <laughs> You know, you you can read Scripture in a lot of different ways. There's room for a lot of different interpretation. But if you honestly read uh, that story in Luke about Mary being visited and, you know, engaged in this way, if you read that as anything other than Mary saying yes and giving consent— I've got a real question about your biblical knowledge <laughs> and, and your ability to, to interpret Scripture, right? Because there is this beautiful moment where the God of all creation is going to bring redemption in, of course, the Christian tradition and in the Christian story, is going to bring redemption into the world, and God chooses to do that through real flesh-and-blood human people and this flesh-and-blood human person who herself is... Uh, You know, in a a really difficult place and time and situated in a space without a lot of authority in in many ways. But she has authority over her body and she has authority over this choice. And she says, yes. And because of her, yes, so much, you know, comes to fruition of that. I, I just don't understand how people get so upset about that. It's kind of like your situation, you know, Sue Ellen, of, of encountering that pushback of, yeah, your your kids don't have to hug the uncles and the aunts and grandma and grandpa if they don't want to. You know, they have choice in this right. moment. The angel waited, uh, uh, so grandma yeah. can <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I and I think it's it's fascinating because if we don't teach our children that they can say no to people they love and people who they know love them, then what happens when our children are faced with people who they're not sure if this person loves them, and they're not sure if this person really cares about them, and maybe they want this person to care about them? How tempting will it be for that child when that child is, you know, whatever age, whether that child is of age or not, how tempting will it be for that child to not be honest and to not have a solid no when they feel like no and a yes when they feel like yes, you know, when they're, they're able to give consent, what will that look like in their
2: lives? Yeah, that, I, that's I think they will about have to do the experimenting on their own yeah, when it co- yeah. those things could have been sorted out in these hugs and very early encounters.
1: Wait, wait, wait. So Sue Ellen, you're telling <laughs> me that we can't keep our children safe by keeping them ignorant? <gasps> that if we keep them completely away from all information, that won't make them safer? Right. What? They can experiment oh with consent <laughs>
2: yeah, with their grandma. And That's, and their right. That's right.
1: That's right. We, we are then the laboratories and families. We're the laboratories for consent and success. Yeah. Instead mm-hmm. of places where children have yet no authority like so many other places in their lives
0: that's right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and places where you know children who become adults may have to unpack trauma because they didn't learn that consent earlier and like uh, you know again thinking because <laughs> i always come from from that perspective thinking about you know if if they're not learning that they have the bodily autonomy and they have the right to say no and having that be respected by their family like What you know when they're hopefully in therapy later on in life, you know how much of their family interactions will they have to unpack? Because you were so upset that they wouldn't give you a hug, (laughs) and how that set a foundation. That's so
2: important, Kelly. I mean, and and you see some relatives just saying, "Oh, come on, kids need hugs," as if that. No.
0: Yeah, but hugs that they want. Kids (laughs) need. They need hugs that they want.
2: How to. How to draw boundaries and how, and and they won't know when their boundaries are crossed if they don't have boundaries that are respected.
0: Mm-hmm. It, and and how how much more or how much better does it make the story of uh, Mary or just the you know the experience of getting a hug when you got to choose that you wanted right. it? You That's know, what like kids need. it is yeah. much more. It's much more beautiful mm-hmm. and more impacting when I got to decide like Mm -hmm. I you know I want a hug from this family member or you know thinking about Mary. Mary got to decide Mm -hmm. that she wanted to have uh, a baby and you know uh, it's I think that that makes the story way better (laughs) rather than that being a you know a thing that shouldn't be printed on a (laughs)
1: t-shirt well yeah because the the alternative of course in that story is if if this is not a story of consent the the story of mary then it's a story of non-consent and it's a story of force and domination and violence and you know i don't think folk explore that far enough in in their their thought process not only around the story of mary but the story of our own lives you know, if you force your grandchildren to give you a hug, if you force your nieces and nephews to have that, that kind of, of physical relationship with you, you are engaging in a relationship of violence with them. And you don't know what the authentic relationship looks like. You don't know what authentic boundaries really are. And I think that's where we've gotten into... Uh, a real problem with a lot of the restrictive bans and uh, you know targeted laws on, on people's bodies in our nation. We have currently, as as we sit here uh, recording uh, this session, we have had the Supreme Court of the United States hear uh, a challenge to uh, what could essentially become a challenge to Roe versus Wade. Um, And, of course, the arguments are based around who has the right to tell you you must give birth, right? All of that is rooted in who gets to decide what you do with your body. You know, we we have struggles right now in Ohio, and, you know, we'll have an election uh, here this week before this uh, podcast airs, in fact, where uh, a great number of school board seats are being contested by people who want to tell people what to do, Um, you know, with particular curriculum around comprehensive sexuality education, around race and diversity and inclusion in the classroom. Um, it, It is a fascinating time to be a person who believes that people should be trusted with their own bodies because so much of our society is saying, no, we want to force people to do certain things with their bodies and then claim that it's in the name of freedom or claim that it's in the name of justice, you know.
2: Right, right. And when we teach kids to, that that's okay because that's their grandmother, grandfather or their grandmother, then we're teaching them to make excuses for anything. And it accrues, and it accrues, and the damage accrues. And it is a lot to unsort. Hmm.
0: And those, those foundations are, you know, very difficult to... Uh, break into, uh, break down the things like those, those fundamental beliefs that you, you begin as a child, um, and carry with you, you know, the longer you carry it, the harder it is to go back and and redo that. I feel like I use a lot of metaphors on this podcast and just like in general, uh, but you know, thinking about like, uh, if a, if a person is a house and the beginning stages of their life is the foundation and as you're building the house, you're adding more and more things on top of that. It is much more difficult to go back and fix that foundation and whatever cracks are in there, um, especially if there's heavy structural stuff you have to do, um, then it would be to start and do things. I think we talked about this on the last podcast, but, you know, doing things slow and um, in the right way uh, from the beginning. And yeah, for, especially for, you know, When i think about my sexuality education here in ohio it's really just like the the classic you know mean girls uh don't have sex because you'll get pregnant and die (laughs) um and you know that that it, it may be difficult for people who have not had the 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 benefit of that education from the beginning but like you know it's never you're never too old to learn And you're, it's never too late to like, you know, start teaching that to your children or the young people in your life. Like, just because you, I know this may be a controversial statement for some people, but just because you experience something negative does not mean that everyone else after you has to, Mm -hmm. uh, experience that same negative thing.
2: (laughs) Yeah. This can be changed, but it is hard to dismantle that stuff. If you don't have some support as you're trying to rebuild a new frame.
0: And and I think that like there just needs to be thinking about like being in community with other people, mm-hmm. we need to be more open to to having these discussions and to helping each other, you know, break down those foundations that like, you know, I'm I'm not saying that my foundation is that great and but that doesn't that doesn't mean that I can't go back and, and try to fix what I can or try to make sure that when I'm building more that we're you know, we're doing better there.
1: And I think, um, you know, just to, to throw in a plug there for, for you, Sue Ellen, you know, the the place where I first met you, uh, you know, was through our whole lives, you know, wow. the comprehensive sexuality curriculum for uh, churches and, and for faith-based organizations. And I know we here at Ohio RCRC, our goal is to, you know, promote that training and have that training available to folks. The pandemic, of course, has has created new challenges, but we we look forward to our whole lives education, and we'll put some information about our whole lives in the show notes for people who are looking for, um, you know, resources and curricula nearby. We have several churches, several congregational systems in central uh, Ohio and Greater Ohio that teach our whole lives, um, where people can get really good comprehensive sexuality education for their kids, so that their kids can can grow up without some of the baggage that some of the rest of us had to grow up with and, mm-hmm. and carry yeah.
2: and these can work in a secular yeah. setting too um, the our whole lives piece is separate and the faith component is added to it and that's a joint project of the uh, Unitarian Universalist Association and the United Church of Christ but it can be used without those things with but it is values based uh, Mm-hmm. as a standalone, not religious based, mm-hmm. but values based. Um, and then the principles of the Unitarians and the um, nine principles guiding sexuality education in the United Church of Christ inform the uh, faith connection piece to that. So it could be used in Sunday school. It, it is part of Sunday school. It is an inherent part of a religious education because sexuality is at the core of our humanity.
0: Yes. Amen. And, and Amen. I love that, you know, you you talked about like having that separateness from from the, the general education. And uh, that reminds me of, you know, this core belief that like people should have consent. And, you know, if you're a secular person and you don't want to be a part of that faith conversation, like that's okay. You can you can have that separation and you get to consent over what you want to learn and uh, what you want to be a part of. And I think that it's just like a good way to, to wrap up our conversation here today. So uh, Sue Ellen, it was really great to talk to you today and uh, to have you on the podcast and uh, to just learn so much about how we can, you know, help our kids and um, those in our community build that better uh, original foundation um, so they can have better lives full of consent and bodily autonomy. Thank you. Thank you, so it yeah, great, for... great to talk with you all.
1: Thank you, Sue Ellen.
0: Well, we will be back in two weeks with a new podcast episode. So tune in then. Thank
1: you. Remember, you can always check out previous editions of Our Soul on our website at ohiorcrc.org forward slash podcast. And while you're there, feel free to look around at all the other super cool content we have to offer to help you faithfully speak out for abortion access and reproductive freedom all across Ohio.